um, I want to share with you a few thoughts about the parasha. Um, one of them is there, there's a very very nice sefer called Oitzus Torah from Ritzuri El. Ritzuri El was the uh, Mashkiach for many years in um, in Shalavim Yeshiva. Uh, the man has a photographic memory, and he is his marmarkarmis are are delicious. He can pull out you know anything and anything. Uh, so they put out a, they put out a two volume set from him on Chumash. Um, and he quotes a Rambam that you know we, we see that the the person says lashon hara, and uh, he goes through the, the the process of being a matzora. So normally you understand that this is a, the process of being a matzora is to be understood um, as a punishment. Okay, and it, it, part of the punishment. Part of the punishment is um, because he separated two people. He has to be separated. He learns what it means to be separated, isolation, etc. We see it all in the in the, in the negative sense. Um, he brings him a Ramam. The Ramam seems to see it rather in a positive sense. Okay, um, that. Um, So he quotes a uh, um, okay. Let's see if I can find find the here it is. See, he he brings that going into into isolation separates you from the anoshim royim, which tend to, t- to speak lashon hara. So, um, there's a certain advantage of being in a state of isolation. Um, there are many things which come to the person, many negative realities which come to the person due to the fact that he's with people. We talk too much. We have these long conversations about the issues of back and forth. But when you're when you're isolated, when you're separated, when you're um, by yourself, you you, you save yourself the, the staying away from the ra and trying to make sure you do the toiv. Um, because it's a siba at Solom, he called him a gross, a sherry's cardinal. So, um, there is, so there's a certain ad, a advantage of separating this person from other people. I mean, he obviously didn't speak Lush and her in, in, in a vacuum. So, we sort of picture, like, you know, that this fellow. You know, went out there and nobody's interested in hearing what he has to say, and he just starts screaming lashon hara. So he ends up at saras, right? Well, that's not what happened. There was it takes two to tango. I mean, there's somebody listening. You know, there was a situation. You know, so why did he get this saras? Allah getting at the saras? It's a good question, right? But the reality is that a, a, a lot of the issue is because who is he spending his time with? So the terrorist says, you know what? Stop spending time with those people. Go into a period of isolation where you're not with those people. Step number one. Um, number two, that um, 
that uh, the Rambam says in the in the end of the, the third Chalik, he talks very much about this issue of the idea of a person's connecting their mind to Kodesh Baruch and um, that it's very difficult to do that when you're with other, when you're with other people. It's, people are a distraction. There's a tremendous mile to the advantages of his partners, a person taking time out to be by himself and to think about things. So there's a tremendous, not only safety from a virus, but there's a positive benefit of the person having time. We're talking about a good person, not talking about a bad person, because if the person is, quote-unquote, a bad person, he doesn't get saras. Um, there's a fascinating idea that um, the Chabaz Chaim quotes, and I'm, I'm forgetting right now who he quotes it from, that, that saras was a chesed. Why? Because the, the, the one explanation is the person goes to the Kayan, I, clearly, it's not it's not a, it's not a physical nega because there are many scenarios where we allow him to be together with other people. Um, if he's a chosin, he gets the saras during his seven days of shabbos. Say no problem during the regal. Imagine, refers to it. Imagine this would be the contagious disease that people are worried about. So all of Kaiser goes up to Yerushalayim to Mesemikdash, and we say, you know what, you have saras, but we'll we'll let you stay in the, and call yourself for the for the regal. So let's let, go into the base of Mikdash and hang out with every person who was there and spread it all over people. Obviously, it wasn't, it wasn't a contagious disease. It wasn't leprosy. He says, this was a spiritual issue. Suppose it keeps talking about the deer. It's, it's, it's deeper than the skin. The skin is deep. It's, it's, it's deep. He says, what that represents, so the crowd looked at this, is this, an, is this something which is in the person's neshama or it's something on the surface? That's what the crowd is looking for. In a spiritual sense, are we seeing that there's something in the depths of the person which is which is which is unhealthy, which has to be corrected, or it's on the surface, which means that the neshama basically is healthy? He says, so the neshama is not healthy, so we put him in a process of a, a correction process. So this safer, the Chabad Chaim quotes. I wish I could remember right now the, who it's from. He says nowadays the same thing happens, but we don't get to have the tower process. So we get to wait till afterward, 120 years, when we're in Ifter, then the Neshama has to go through, in Shemayim, the Taras process of being left, he's Barnadus, etc. So it's much nicer to get it done in this world than the world to come. All right, so he deserves, it's the person who deserves that. So what's going to happen when he separates other people? So, the, so all of this distraction from his focus on Avodah Hashem is going to fall away. He's going to actually sit and contemplate what 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 he really wants out of life. So the Hisbaradus, which came with the process of of the of the Mitzara, wasn't wasn't a bad thing. It was a very positive opportunity for the person to get away from all of his distractions and come back to the true person that he really is. That's the, the thought that he that he he, he builds on. Um, okay. Um, we live in a society which is very connected. You know, we're we're very much into connection, etc. And the idea of being isolated and being separate is something which we find difficult. There's a certain certain warmth in the connection to people. There's a certain strength in connection to people. But we we have to recognize that there's a pay there's a, that there's a trade off. That there's a certain 
advantage to the world of isolation where we can really, we're forced to recognize honestly who we are and what we are. We're not getting it based on our feedback from other people. There's no mirror reflecting it back at me. I got to figure it out who, where I am, who I am, what I am. I'm not relying on the zebra. By davening, I can't rely on the zebra. I have to figure it out myself. What does davening mean to me? Well, I, you know, I can go through the words or not, but it's much more, you're almost forced to be more honest when you're by yourself. Did I really daven or not? Well, you know, you know, yeah, I got the davening. I said, I mean, you share you know, There's no going to davening. There's no amen There's no kaddish. There's no kedusha. There's no keeping up with the zebra pace. So why are you going so fast? Right? Because what does that mean to you? So you're forced to honestly look in the mirror where you're at. So that's a very, very positive thing. Um, so um, we live in a world where, you know, okay, even when we're in isolation, we still have a way to connect. Um, uh, AH.com had this, uh, this mention of the other, you know, Newton went into, went into isolation for the, you know, um, during the Black Death uh, the the plague in, in in London, and he had a very productive period of time. Right, you have there's a story in uh, there's a book called My Son. I think I mentioned this recently. Baruch Chaim Shapiro from Baltimore, from used to live in Baltimore. Sounds familiar? Okay. Um, so Rabbi Chaim Shapiro uh, was a uh, Yidden lived in Baltimore. He went through the war. And uh, Feldheim published his memoirs of the, his war, his war, uh, the whole anecdotes of everything which happened to him during the war. Um, and it's called "Go, My Son." So in that in that that whole series of stories which he has, he had fascinating uh, travels that he had. Uh, he was. In Siberia, for a period of time, he was in the Ural Mountains. He was in the Caucasus, you know. He was in the uh, in, in in Georgia, and he was all over. He was in, he was in Outer Mongolia for a period of time. Like he was in a tank corps fighting the the, the Germans with with the Red Army. He eventually he defected from the army and and smuggled over the border to get get away from out of Poland. You know, it's all there. Fascinating stories. He has a story, but he's he's in Siberia, and his position was to go from camp to camp uh, on a horse and and bring be a courier from from one camp to the other. He writes that he comes into one of the camps. It's Shabbos afternoon. He's riding his horse. He has his tefillin with him because he's afraid to leave him back in his barracks. And he has his all those really possessions that basically are in one saddle bag on his horse. Um, and he made the decision to keep that with him, and he hears a person singing Shabbos Miras. It's Shabbos afternoon, he hears a person singing Shabbos Miras. So he looks around, and he, he you know, follows the sound, he behind, finds like behind the bush, there's a fellow sitting over there with long hair and a long beard, the guy looked like a wild man, singing Shabbos Miras in a beautiful, beautiful plaintive voice. So he goes up to the person, he starts speaking to him in, in Yiddish, no answer, total silence, the person just shuts down. He realizes the person doesn't trust him. Finally, he hops, he, go, he goes to his saddlebag and he pulls out the tefillin, he shows him the tefillin. The person starts, bursts out crying. He says, I've been in this camp, I think he said for seven years, 
without tefillin. And the, I finally, finally there's a pair of tefillin here, and it's Shabbos. Right? So he starts talking to the fellow. It turns out that the fellow has been in, has been in camp for seven years. He's a, he was a, um, a breast of a chassid, I think. Um, he has not been Michael of Shabbos for seven years. How did he do it? He made himself look like a Meshuggah. And the Russians still have their, their fear of these, you know, these, the think Rasputin, you know, they have this fear of like Meshuggah's madmen, and they leave him alone. But nobody has spoken to him for seven years because he's a madman. See, he's been living all by himself for seven years. How did man survive like that? Because his connection with Baruch was so strong that that was his. That's where he had his exit from isolation. He's with the Kodesh Baruch He wasn't by himself, right? So he told he told the Chaim Shapiro, like, "Where are you? I want to get the, come get the tefillin." He says, "You can't come go out the the, the gate. You'll be shot." He says, "It's irrelevant. Where are you?" So he told him where he was, and Chamshiel writes that the next morning, three o'clock in the morning, he feels somebody pawing him. The fellow's looking for the tefillin. How he got there, he has no idea how the guy got out of the, the gate, how he got there, he has no idea. And for the period of time that he was there, every single night the fellow stuck out and came again, used the tefillin. He says, when they, when Chamshiel came and told him that, that he was being transferred to somewhere else, he says, I want to teach you, I want to, I want to pay you something. Why can't you pay me? You have to pay me. He says, no, I want to teach you a song. So the song is the Yiddish song. And the main point of the Yiddish song is that um, in the Kabbalistic usage, the one of the names of the, of the Shekhinah is called the Aim. So by the Chesina, they talk about the Mama, is referring to the Shekhinah. So it says, the Mama sent me down to this world to gather nuts, to gather mitzvahs. Right? But, but, but I look at the tree, and the, and the tree is so tall, can I climb that tree and get those nuts down? Can I withstand the, the challenges of, of, of the, this world is going to throw at me? And I never realized how powerful an Ashama is. That's the end of this. That's the whole song. It's in Yiddish. So it's, it, it, it doesn't fit into the modern uh, musical. Uh, you know, the words don't rhyme exactly perfectly, and it's not, you know, with the beat, you know. So... He's, this is the song that he was. He taught him this. He taught him, and Chanshir writes. It says, you know, what was ironic that the person was really talking about. He's looking at a person. This man is. This is man is a giant. He gave up any human interaction for seven years. He didn't go out of his mind. He still. He was a was totally normal person, but he was willingly willing to isolate in order to be able to not to do a virus. And he didn't go out, and he stayed normal because he connected to Kodesh That's what isolation could be. Isolation could be a period of growth beyond any person's dreams. Right? So, um, I can sing the niggin to you. If you've ever been to the Matsuyam Kippur Suda, Ari, you come to Matsuyam Kippur, Aaron sings about the Matsuyam Kippur Suda in Yeshiva. Right? So, um, Right, exactly. It's like so not modern, right? 
Mama hat mir geschickt, hat mir geschickt, nicht so lach so klein bin, nicht so lach so klein bin, wie heuch es dem Boim, wie heuch es dem Boim, wie nicht durch seine Kinder lach, wo ja da die Nacht abschied. So that's the song, but that's the story. So, um, you read the book, you read the whole story, and it's just mind-boggling. So what what, what Tzriel is writing is like, you know, the isolation of the Mitzvah was the time to let him get back to his roots. It was a time that, you know, you're being distracted. You're, 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 you're clearly a person who is zoichah to get, that, that go through the process of removing this stain on your neshama in this world, not in the world. It's not stuck in you in the world to come. You're being zoichah to get here in this world. There's a stain on your neshama. It's deep into the skin, which means it's not just on the surface. You, but you can, you can fix it. So let's step away from all of society, all of the distractions. So you don't have the negative influences. You don't have the opportunities to interface with the negative people. And you have the positive moments of isolation to use that as a period of meditation to connect back to Kodesh Baruch You have no tefillah but see, but your mom is, you're, you're all by yourself. You know, nobody's allowed to get near you. You have to tell them, stay away. Right? There's no Zoom and there's no uh, conference calls. And you're all by yourself for seven days or more. Right? So it's a very, it adds it, to be a very positive thing. Okay, that's one thought. Um, the Eish Kodesh, Rabbi Chin sent me a, a word from the Eish Kodesh on this week's parasha, on Parsha Mitzorah. So by by the neg of batim, so Rashi brings over there that the lashon of the pasuk sounds like that, that when you come there to Israel, you're going to get a neg versus when the sati neg of tzeras. I'm I'm going. It's like a lashon of avara. I'm going to make neg tzeras. So Rashi says, why does Rashi give us neg tzeras? He says because the the Kananim hid their money in the walls of the houses, right? So. Well, the nega will come. They'll rip down the walls, and they'll find the mountain. So he said, "Okay, fine. Um, why do they have to go through the seven-day hesker for that purpose? If that's the purpose of it, it's a great. The Russian will send the nega. You'll call the car and says, "Oh, it's a nega. They'll take the big sledgehammer. They'll break down the walls." And they'll find the money. Like, you know, like, why does the guy got to go through this? You know, they, they close up the house. He, he has nowhere to live. You know, he's got to stay out of the house. You know, they close up the house for seven days. They come back and they check it again. Another seven days, you know, another seven days. You know, like, you know, like, like, what do you need this whole process? So he answers it homiletically. He says, what's happening over here is that a per- person is going through a difficult period. But the reality is that there's a treasure at the other end. Right? But you get your treasures by go, being willing to go through difficulties and dealing with them. So the, the, the marshal over here, you know, again, it's not in the world of shop, in the world of the marshal, the message is your person going through this horrible, he has a home, he has a place to live. All of a sudden, he and his family are in the streets. So Marshall nice people take them in, etc. And he's worried what's going to happen to his possession. He, you know, this this house of his, etc. And he goes through this process and again and again and again. You know, week after week after week, and you're pushing your rising less than a shaman guy, what's gonna be, etc. And the final story is he becomes a millionaire. Right? 
he says that's where the loch is that he goes to the curtain he says kinegali nearly baboyas so Rashi says even if he's a, he was a tamachacham he says kinegal do you know what you know whether something is really a nega or not you don't know whether it's a nega or not this is the best thing that ever happened to you it looks bad at the time so it looks like a nega but it's not a nega right it's the best thing that ever happened to you so it's kin nega near it's like a nega that's a lush on the post that he tells the Koyan, kin nega near bias not nega near bias because to me it seems like a nega i'm sure it's a nega there's no way to describe this as being good for me i've lost my job I, I, I have debts hounding me. I, I, my, my life is falling apart. My wife is upset at me. My kids don't talk to me. The whole thing is falling apart, right? It's negative advice. And the doctor has told me that, I, that you know, I have cancer. Like, like oh gosh, you know, like, it can't get worse. I, I had a person call me up. Mom, basically that was, you know, the, the, the storyline with, with, you know, the, this bad thing and that bad thing, like, one after the other. Negative advice, for sure it's a negative. No, no, don't say that. It looks like a nega. It seems to be a nega. But the reality is that the process, whatever the period of time is, the result is something which is going to be beneficial for the person. So that, that's this process of, of, of being musker and the bias and on the person, etc. It seems to be a nega. But really, it's only kin nega. The result can be a very positive thing. Um, Rav Hirsch and the, 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 the Bali Kabbalah all talk about that the word nega um, what is the word nega? Nega means to touch, the gia is to touch you're talking about Sherman the gia, be careful about touching right um, I, a doctor uh, told, the secular, the non-Jewish doctor told my wife, she went for a televisit, he says, you know says, Mrs. Rangel, the world is finally following your, your, you know your, your, the way you do it, no touching there's no hugging, no touching, no kissing. No, everybody stay away from everybody else. It's like, you know, like you, like you always do to me in the office. You don't touch, you know. Sherman Agia. Nega means a touch. And Nega Mitzras is the finger, the, the person's finger touching you. It's it's not a bad thing. It's the person ta- giving you a message. Our message is bad. Messages sometimes are painful. They're not bad. Right, so you can look at a nega as a nega, or like what the Ishkadish is saying is the correct nusach is kinega. It looks like a nega. It looks like this bad thing, but really it's a nega. In a certain sense, really what it is, it's a, it's a brush of touching you. And then they go to the next step, the, word, the letters of the word oinig, the letters of the word nega are the same letters. So if you just rearrange a nega, it becomes an oinig. Because, you know, this is one of... Um, um, Rabbi Renach Weinberg's famous conversations, right? Right? That um, people think the opposite of pain is what's the opposite of pain? It's one of his famous, you know, his H yeshiva approaches. He asks these new people, and what's the opposite of pain? Say pleasure. He says, no, the opposite of pain is no pain. It says, ask a person who ran a marathon. Right? Ask him what he feels after. He says, tremendous pain and tremendous pleasure. He says, most pleasure comes from the fact that you had pain. You had difficulty and you overcame it. That's pleasurable. The, the majority of pleasure that we have, that we feel a, a really good feeling about and we want and lasts for more than the moment that it goes into your mouth, is the things that you worked for. 
which means you put effort into it. It means there was some element of pain. So that pain is, and pleasure are not opposites. Pain and pleasure go together. Right. He says, a person who wants to have a life of zero pain will really have very little pleasure in his life. Because any pleasure he's going to have, is going to, you get him eating, those type of things, which don't last. The pleasures of accomplishment, which is what a person really fills up his, his emotional needs, require pl- pain. Like, you know, social commentary from all sides, right? Um, like, you know, nowadays, the part of the issue is this, you know, microaggressions. You know, we have to protect everyone from microaggressions. So, you know, it's a fascinating balance. My, on my end, I need to be a very sensitive person. I need to be aware of how I'm saying something affects somebody else. On the recipient's end, they need to learn to be a mature enough person to not let it get to them. Right? So what's happened nowadays is that those people are spending the whole time policing me. Right? The professor said something which made me feel upset. So I'm going to make sure that I report it to the, to the dean and I put it on social media and I bashmutz it. Right? He should have been more careful and said something which doesn't make you upset. Yes, I can hear that. Sometimes that's a good point. My end is to be an adult enough to say, like, you know, like, why am I spending my life worrying about how people, whether people are hurting me or not? You, you know, and eventually, you know, the goal is to make all society like that. So I go out to work and the boss yells at me one day. I get the boss fired for yelling at me, you know, but the violence, that's not society. Like, so these people eventually move into the workforce and they can't handle it because they've never been trained. You know what? Growth is when things aren't so easy and things are uncomfortable and you learn to grow from them or you learn to overcome them. And you know what? He doesn't He doesn't really respect me for who I am. So th- therefore, I feel horrible. No, therefore, I learned to, to respect myself to the point that his disrespect is irrelevant. So I have, I have better respect for myself because it comes from inside as opposed to I'm getting it from him reflecting to me and he's reflecting bad things. Therefore, I feel bad. Therefore, I have to attack him. So what am I saying about myself? That I'm such an epochal that I can't handle it. That's basically a public statement of how epochal I am, right? Now, but so people say, well, he, he didn't do a bad thing? First of all, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But what does it do with you? There's a desk has a fascinating line. He says, you know, that the that um, the Torah gives the, the, the Malva responsibility not, not to shepherd the loiva. You know, you can't pressure the loiva. You have to make, you know, it, you can't pressure it the lawyer has the you to make sure he pay, pays, back, pays back on time. So as long as the Malva is busy being making sure that he's doing his responsibility to the lawyer, not to pressure him, and the lawyer is doing his responsibility to, him to pay back on time, we have a great society. So the problem is that the Malva is busy saying, worrying about the lawyer's job, pay back on time. And the lawyer's worrying about the Malva says, don't pressure me. So everybody's worrying about the other person's responsibilities. So that's a horrible reality. So that, that falls apart. So difficulties are not bad in the person's life. Difficulties is what we grow from. Right? I pray, I thank you because you gave me affliction. He became the Melch, he deserved to become How did he get that? By being accused to be a mamzer, being left to be the past, the, the, the shepherd, because nobody else would have anything to do with him. Basically, he was shunned by all of society. And within that context, he became Dabar Amalek. 
imagine they said, you know what? He's not a mamzer. He's one of the boys. Let's keep him in the family. And, you know, it would be nice to him. It would have been much easier of a childhood, but he wouldn't be David Amelos. Right. So this idea that a person goes through difficulties is to be perceived as something which is negative. It's not negative. It's like the Ishkadosh would call it tin negali, nearly by boys. It looks like a negative. Or a person saying, it is a person talking to you. It's a person touching you. It's a person forcing you to address your problems. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Um... Next thought. I have the th- I have the thing. You think about it. I I, I mean I'm not, I'm not a big buck in comparative religion. Very honest. Right there are there are you know the the idea that religions have a ben olam element, and they have a ben olam element. You know that Judaism is not unique in that sense. That you know have they talk of being a good person and, and doing charity and being nice, etc. Other religions have that as well, right? But the world of tuma and tahara, spiritual impurity, because of of a ben issue, I think we are we are we're unique. You're a good person or a bad person, but your tume, the tuma is generated, the spiritual impurity belongs to the world of religiosity between you and God. Right, that you understand. You know, you do something which is a an improper act. Ben Adam Lamakum that generates impurity. But why lashon hara? Because you get get tzaras, which is tuma, is because of lashon hara. That's that's not that's not a we might have guessed that that's what the source of tuma is. Tuma is eat trefazach and you you tome. You deal with death, right? That's tuma, right? Tuma comes from Speaking Lashon Hara. I'm a bad person because of Lashon Hara. I'm not a nice person. I haven't done charity. I haven't charitable. I get that. But the Kiddush of the Parsha is that, that Lashon Hara is, is Tuma. I think that's an extraordinary element that the Torah is offering us to think about. Now, uh, the morale, others, the Bali, the, the Bali Machshava, all talk about the idea that the source of Tuma, all Tuma really is connected to the world of death. Being alive is tahara, and death. You take in a shot when you there's death over there. That that's called that's what generates tumor. So you have the mace, you have the nevela, the sherets. All those are all those are elements of tumor which are clearly connected to the the concept of death. The 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 nida, her cycle passed. And therefore, the the ability to conceive for this month is ended. So there's an element of some element of ending of life. Yolandis gives birth to a child. So there is life inside of her which has been taken out. So there's elements. Right, a person is much shikh with zera. That was potential life, which is no longer there. So that's tuma. So all of them fit this uh, fit this concept of the, that that the source of tuma is misa, tahara going to the mikvah um, is a rebirth. Person, as it were, goes into the womb of the the mikvah. It's like in the liquid. You can't you can't live there. It's like almost like ending that that life and coming out anew. 
So, the, and halachic concepts, there's a lot of parallels between the din of mikra and the din of zriya. If a person takes a seed, which is tomei, and plants it, the new plant which comes out is tor. Because putting the seed in the ground, it, it decomposes, and that, that life ends, and a new life comes out, which is has tahara. So mikvah is, refer, there are halachic parallels of the din of mikvah to the din of zriya. Um, that the mikvah is the idea of putting the person, as it were, into the ground, letting him decompose, putting him into a place where he can't live. And then he comes out, he, he, he emerges anew in a new form, which is tor. So it's removing the, the death element, which is there, and creating a new life. Where's the where's the death in a mitzara in the in, in the lashon hara? So if you understand that the the definition of chayim chiyus, the morale says is that it gives forth the that a mikvah not a mikvah excuse me a spring a mayim a mayan is called mayim chayim. It's living water. What is there's, there's living water and dead water. When something gushes forth that it gives outward, giving is chayim. Taking is Misa. So the process of when I'm living a life where my goal is to be mated to others and to give to others and to take care of others, that's, an, that's I'm sharing Chiyas. So the morale says, the more says there's four people which are Chosh of Kameis. One of them is, it says is a Mitzara. One of them says is an Ani. She says an Ani is a bad person, not a bad person. It's not because of a punishment. But there's a limita- There's limits. An Ani has limits on how much he can be made to others. He has limited resources. So in that sense, there's an element of a lack of Chayim in his life. The Barsham is an Lakim Chayim because the Barsham is a mate to the Bria. He creates life. He gives the most basic thing he gives is life. So we can't give life, but we can give many other things. The whole Ishra of and Hara is he took away life. In some way, he diminished somebody. In some way, he hurt somebody. Somebody's doing the he's doing the opposite of living a life of giving. He's doing the life of taking, and of, of of taking away of hurting. So that is also death. But what's unique about this death? That this is a death which takes place not on a physical level. Almost, you know, it takes place on a spiritual level. But again, the Ben Adam is a spiritual reality. And I, I just I, you know just being misbunded on that. I, I again, I'm not a big bucky in comparative religions, but I don't know of any any other religion that they look at. But Adam the idea of not being a mative to others is called spiritual death. That, that there's elements of, that I'm I'm living a life where I'm keeping all of the mitzvahs. I put on I daven three times a day. I put on tefillin. I do everything, but I'm not sensitive to other people's emotions and how they're going to react to what I'm saying. In some way, I'm damaging somebody else. And that's called death. Okay, one, one more thought. Um, the, 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 the solution of this process is a seven-day, uh, seven is multiples of seven. It's always in sevens. So we know Torah is sevens are very, very choshim, etc. So what's the mile of seven? So Refer says this idea, you know, the morale says it in his way, that six represents the physical world because the three dimensions have six sides, uh, up and down in the four in the four directions. So we live in a physical world, which is there's six sides to it. And when you inject 
a spiritual component to that. That's the seventh. So there's six days of work, and then there's the seventh day, which is the injection of the spiritual component. So the Tara process is a seven-day process. So a person has to go through a Shabbos, by definition, but he has to go through seven days, which means he has to learn to re-inject the spiritual components into his physical reality. Um, uh, if you tie all these points together, the, the isolation and the, the, the accompanied opportunity for the person being thinking and where is where he where he's led himself in a way which he doesn't want to lead himself it, the purpose is to redirect the physical life into a spiritual path so that's why seven is the appropriate number which which makes sense for it um okay the parallels to our, our present situation i think um by now you, you i don't need to, to, to spell them out explicitly i think that there's a um a lot of parallels to the, the present situation um so uh, the isolation really should be an opportunity to uh, for person to person to be misbunden, you know, be forced to misbunden a little bit. And Baruch Hashem, I've had multiple multiple conversations with people, either by text or in, by in, in text or phone or, or even one or two, which I actually in person. They told me that the davening is better now. They have more time for davening. They have more time to think about the davening. They're not in a rush, and they're you know they're they're using this opportunity to be become a more spiritual person in a certain sense. Says they're just worried how do you take it back with you, you know, when it's all over. But there's this idea that the, this situation we sort of re, there's a less connection to the outside world, and there's more of a connection to the world inside of ourselves. And that's not a bad thing, Batson, um, and. Uh, so, uh, why the Russian wants us to, to do this right now? What, 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 what? And if, I can't tell if this is the reason, but uh, I think that this element of hopefully we will see what well, we will see that mountain, that that treasure which is hidden at the end of the of this process of the sevens and the sevens and the sevens. I hope we'll be able to see it soon. But I think there's a lot to be misbehaving in the parsha. I think the parsha really talks a lot to our situation. Okay, that's my